Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Center of my joy, all that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment, oh, for all I do. Oh, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. When I've lost my direction, you're the compass for my way. Yeah, the fire at night, with nights of long and cold. You are the laughter that shadows all my fears. Friend, I'm mother, your hand is there to hold. Oh, All the children, my family and my 
That's right. Jesus is the center of my joy. I don't know about if he's the center of your joy or not, but he is the center of my joy and my hope for tomorrow. God bless you. So glad you joined us today. God bless all those in the chat room. My brother JLC who put our links down. Sister Brittany. Uh, brother Howard. God bless all of you and all the ones who are listening. Uh, we're blessed to be here today because there's another day that the Lord has given us in order for us to do his work. And every day that the Lord leaves you on earth, we must realize that he's leaving us here for a purpose. And we need to be doing our best to fulfill that purpose. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Galatians today. Galatians chapter 4. And we'll be starting around verse 21. Galatians chapter 4. Starting at verse 21. And it reads, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The woman represents two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child, shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor. Because more of the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you brothers and sisters like Isaac are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not the children of a slave woman, but of the free woman. And we want to talk about today, we are the children of promise. The children of promise. See, just like in the natural, the flesh will mock the spirit. If you live according to the flesh, Eventually, it will start mocking your spirit and says, see, look what I told you. See, this is the same thing that happened in the scripture that we're talking about today. Because I want us to understand the concept of us being the children of uh, promise. In our text that we have read today, it is a declaration of God's divine promise. And it's also an, an indictment on doing things according to the flesh. Because in the book of Galatians, Paul is reprimanding the Galatian people for their lack of faith. The whole book uh, is, is, is talking about faith and it, Paul is reprimanding uh, the Galatians for not living according to faith. 
but living according to the standards of the world or trying to make a effort to live by the law, which no man can do. Because if we turn back to chapter 3 of Galatians, Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit? Are you not trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. You see, even Abraham, the father of faith, when he attempted to operate outside of faith with his flesh, meaning Ishmael, that's, that's Abraham and Sarah's doing. He was opera operating outside of faith and it produced Ishmael. And notice that Ishmael, the, the son of the flesh, began to mock the son of promise, which came by the spirit. Now, I know that it's so difficult to be, for, for proud people to understand that God does not need their help. That's a difficult thing for us to understand because human nature is to be proud sometimes. And we want to believe that we're so important that we really can help God. And see, that's when pride, that's why I said pride goes before the fall. When you get in your prideful mind that you think that God needs your help, or oh, it's a blessing when he uses you, but God don't need any of us. So we should count it all joy when he actually chooses to use us. But see, proudful people, for some reason, thinks that God needs help. Isaac was God's plan, not Abraham's plan. Can we be clear on that when we read the scripture? Isaac was God's plan, not Abraham's plan. Now you see, Ishmael was the plan of Sarah and Abraham, not God. Uh, you can read the text for yourself. It's pretty clear. Ishmael was a, was a, was a uh, plan based on the flesh. And fleshly plans will always get you fleshly results. You see, the Bible is clear that we are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. So I ask you, is there any wiggle room for you to uh, uh, say to yourself, I found Jesus. According to this scripture right here, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. What are you fitting in on finding Jesus? Because Jesus is not lost. Listen to Romans 5 verses 8, I'm sorry, verses 9 through 11. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more should we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved 
through his life. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The text says we're justified by his blood. It goes on to say while we were enemies to God, he reconciled us through the death of his son. See, sometimes if you just read it a little slower, if you read it over and over again, you will get a concept of what it's saying. It literally is saying you were an enemy to God. And while you was his enemy, he got his son to die for you to reconcile you to himself. Now, you can think that you fit in. Oh, uh, you so good. Uh, I was so good. And the reason God chose me is I was so good. But that's not what the text says. Now, I mean, you can make an inference into what the text is saying, but that's not what the text actually says. You see, us being saved had nothing to do with our goodness. All our boasting is boasting about his grace and his mercy. Paul asked the Galatians people a question in verse 21. He says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? That's a question. And if you think it's strange just to look at how many people make other requirements in, in order to be saved, People say you must belong to a certain church to get to heaven, a certain denomination to get to heaven. Some say that you must belong to a certain denomination or there's no way you're going to heaven. I was talking to a guy a while back, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago. He belonged to the Church of Christ. I don't have anything personal against the Church of Christ. There are some good people and some saved people in the Church of Christ. But this particular Church of Christ, he was saying that uh, all other denominations cannot go to heaven only if you belong to the church of Christ. Then you were, uh, I had a question for him after he says that, because he says that you have to call your church the church of Christ in order to go to heaven. So the question I brought up to him is that the church of Christ was actually founded in 1848. So I'd like to know what everybody else was doing before 1848. If you have to be a part of the Church of Christ, I just don't get why people make up these uh, requirements. This means Paul is going to hell then, evidently. According to his standards, Paul, Peter, and the rest of them are going to hell. Now, they say Paul always referred to the church as the Church of Christ. Yeah, but that wasn't a denomination, though. <laughs> it is the Church of Christ because it belongs to Christ. You want to get technical with a name, just like people get technically with, should I sprinkle? You can't, you have to be baptized to go to, to heaven. You're not baptized to go to heaven. You, you're baptized because you are saved and you're going to heaven. It's out of obedience. The, 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 the being baptized does not save you. You're baptized because Jesus gave that requirement and you're obedient and you're doing what he said does. Baptizing, whether it's full immersion or sprinkling, neither one saves you. I'm not going to argue with you because if you're such a baby and you're making an argument, it ain't even worth the argument really. Because evidently you have not looked at any scripture. I used to be at a point where I would argue with people over these minuscule things. You're such a babe that I have to be trying to argue with you. I'm defeating my purpose by having an argument with you. Because it's obvious that you have not studied the Bible if you believe that uh, baptism actually saves you. While back, people used to send me stuff. Well, what about that? I'm, I'm not going to keep going back and forth with you because why don't you take time? You think I'm going to do all the research for you? 
I've quoted numerous scriptures that proves this. Now, if you don't want to do your research, don't think I'm going I'm to do your job because you're too lazy to look it up. That's not going to happen. It's obvious you don't need to be baptized in order to go to heaven. I'm not going to just quote just the, uh, the thief on the cross should be enough. But this is contradicts all the other scriptures because the thief on the cross didn't have time to go down, crawl down and, and say, let me get baptized, Jesus. I know you said today I'll be with you in paradise, but let me crawl off this cross for a minute and be baptized so I can go to heaven. It just makes no sense. But also you're going to have to ignore a whole lot of other scriptures in the Bible that says Jesus, believing in the Lord Jesus is the only way to be saved. You're going to have to actually just butcher a whole lot more scripture. So I'm not going to argue about the name of your church or how you're supposed to be baptized in order to get to heaven. That's one requirement. That's for Jews and Gentiles, by the way. Because the Bible does not give this as a requirement to get to heaven. Now, the Jehovah Witnesses do not believe you can go to heaven unless you are a Jehovah Witness. Well, there's a lot of issues with the Jehovah Witness that I don't even have time to cover. Starting with them believing that Jesus is not God, when the Bible clearly teaches that they butchered their Bible and rewrote their Bible, which the Bible tells you not to do. They butchered their Bible, not understanding the Greek or anything else, and they, they made it out to be something that it wasn't. <laughs> even the part where they said Jesus is a God. Well, A is not even in the uh, Hebrew. They don't even have uh, vowels, so you defeated your purpose by even coming up with that argument. It's not even worth arguing about because it's too easy to defeat that argument. But see, also the Jehovah Witnesses don't even believe in hell. Which the Bible is pretty emphatic about hell. So technically, all those who've done all this bad on earth, they just die and are not and get annihilated, and there is no more consequences behind that. I don't think that's that's too just of a God. I don't want to actually deal with that God. See, I want to establish some of these things before we get to why we are the children of promise. Because there's a people think there is no consequences behind false teaching and false doctrine, but it is. Then there's the Mormons who think that. Uh, they can become gods. Literally. The Mormon church teaches that they can become. I'm going to ignore all the other racist things that Brigham Young and Joseph Smith has said over the years and what the Mormon churches did. I'll ignore that. But actually believing that you can become God is, is a phallus argument in and of itself because any created be being is disqualified for being God Almighty. <laughs> you disqualify yourself if you have been created. See, the qualification of being God is always being here, always existing. So you can never become God. You may be a little God in your, your own mind, but you're not God. And you're not ever going to be a God. So you can stop that premise. But that's just some of the issues that you run in when you attempt to be saved by the flesh. See, these are fleshly efforts by different people starting churches or denominations. And they're attempting... From a fleshly standpoint, in order to, in other words, build that tower of Babel and try to build their way up to heaven. It's a futile argument because you cannot build your way into heaven. You look over in Genesis when they tried that. It's a futile argument. And, and the same attempts by different denominations. I don't care what denomination you belong to. As long as your denomination is teaching biblical doctrine and nobody's going to agree on everything. But some of the essentials, we have to be clear on some of the essentials. If, you, if your church, church is teaching that there's another way to heaven besides believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, let me just help you out. That's a cult. Because there ain't but one way to get to heaven. It ain't by joining your denomination. I'm not going to argue with anybody. It's, it, it, I refuse to argue about something that's so plain in the Bible. 
What are you like, three? The only... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Part you play in being saved is you were a sinner. I want to take a look at Genesis chapter 17. This is the sort of God, uh, uh, this is a, uh, uh, this is God uh, coming to Abraham even before he changed his name. His name was Abram then. But I, I might be referring the whole time as Abraham, even though this was before. This is when God got ready to change Abraham's name in Genesis chapter 17. When you read this, it proves that this was all God's doing. You cannot read this text in Genesis 17 and says that Isaac had anything to do uh, with Abraham and Sarah. It is impossible to read that text. See, that's why the text, our sermon is called, We Are the Children of, of Promise. And being the children of promise means that God's the one made the promise. And it had nothing to do with Abraham or Sarah. Let's not forget that Abraham was 75 years of age when God called him into the ministry. He's a late bloomer. 75 years old, God said, I'm going to use you now at 75 I don't remember reading in Genesis chapter 12 that Abraham went to God and says, listen, I know you can use me and I got a plan. I don't remember reading that in Genesis 12. I don't know why people want to make it so difficult when, when the text is so clear sometimes. When you read the Bible in the context that it was intended to be read, it's so clear. If you read Genesis chapter 12, it does not say that Abraham went and found God and said, use me, Lord. I don't remember that. Uh, in uh, chapter 12, I mean, maybe you seeing something I don't see. The text does not say Abraham had been diligently seeking the Lord. And the Lord says, Abraham, here I am. <laughs> it says God called Abraham and told him to leave his country and his people. Let's establish because we're talking about children of promise, right? God's the one making the promise. God's the one fulfilling the promise. He did not even tell Abraham where he was going when he called him at the age of 75. Now, I can say it took some faith, but we want to deal with Genesis chapter 17 because we are talking about us being the children of promise. Verses 1 and 2 reads, when Abram was 99 years old, now he called him at 75. Now we get to chapter 17. Abraham is 99. Just, just, just. Pay attention how God works. So you got, if you go 85, that's 10. You got 95, that's 20, right? Four more is 24. 24 years later. This is 24 years later now. Moses is writing this book. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Hmm. 
That's interesting there. Then he says, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Who's making the promises? God Almighty, thank you. Moses, who wrote Genesis, skips over 13 years of Abraham's life and comes to Abraham at 99 years of age. It almost appears that God needed to remind Abraham of his promises. That's, that's what I get from the text. Because it's like when, when, when Ishmael was born, all of a sudden 13 years just disappeared. And when you show up in chapter 17, all of a sudden Abraham is 99 years old. It's as if Abraham was content with Ishmael being the son of promise. That's almost what you get from the text. Because Moses was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this. So 13 years, it don't say nothing else about Ishmael until you come to him mocking <laughs> uh, Isaac. But it's almost 13 years disappears. And all of a sudden we come to this particular text and the text Talks about God Almighty showing up. Abraham and Sarah was like they had thought they had done a good thing. Yeah, we got together. God is slow. We got together and we came up with this great plan. And at 99 years of age, all of a sudden, God Almighty shows up. You see, when we do something in the flesh and God allows us to go on for a while, it's as if we take it as an endorsement of our fleshly actions. Hmm. I think I want to uh, rewind and match play and repeat that again. When God allows something that we've done in the flesh to go on for a certain period of time, we take it as an endorsement that God is endorsing our fleshly actions. Is it possible that God was showing mercy and long suffering and uh, getting, giving, getting Abraham a chance to come to his senses and say I made a promise that you and Sarah would have a son. He never, show me where God uh, told uh, Sarah and uh, Abraham to help him out. When God shows up, he tells Abraham that he is El Shaddai. He's God Almighty. Don't, don't, don't miss that. <laughs> he said, let's get something straight here, Abraham. You and Sarah tried to fix this thing, but I'm El Shaddai. I'm God Almighty. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the overpowerer. So God is saying to Abraham, why did you not wait for El Shaddai to answer for the promise he made? Mm, mm, mm. You don't even know when to shout. God is telling Abraham when he shows up, when he's 99 years of age, why didn't you wait for El Shaddai? Why didn't you wait for God Almighty, who is me, <laughs> what he's saying, to answer the promise that I made to you? Sarah had even blamed the Lord for his slowness in chapter 16. It says, now Sarah, Abraham's wife, she was called Sarah then, had borne him no children. But she said she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. God Almighty had already promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child. They should have just stood on the promises of God. Sarah says it's God's fault that I'm not getting pregnant. That's what the text technically is saying. It's God's fault that I'm not getting pregnant. So she says, I got a plan. Since God is slow, 
He made a promise. She's almost questioning the character of God from what I'm getting from this. Sarah's saying, God, you are a slow driver when it comes to your promises. So give me the steering wheel, Lord, and let me drive the car. I want to drive my life from now on because you're taking too long. The text in chapter 16 says Abram agreed to what Sarah was saying. <laughs> See, sometimes when the man's supposed to listen to his wife, he don't listen. Sometimes when the man don't supposed to listen, he listens. This is the same problem that Adam and Eve have. God gives Adam some commands and Eve has not even been created yet. And then Adam decides to listen to Eve because some snake is talking to her. I don't know if Sarah was present from the first conversation that the Lord had with Abraham. But I don't understand why it is that Abraham is listening to Sarah right now with this ridiculous plan, this fleshly plan. In other words, Abraham agreed that Sarah was a better driver than God's promises that God had made to him. I, I like to just put it down to his lowest common denominator to make you understand how ridiculous this really is. Now, we do the same thing sometimes. Here we are, we looking at Abraham examining those people in the Bible, but we do the same thing. I'm guilty, just like the rest of y'all are guilty too. God tells us to do something. It's standing on his promises. We decide that I'm a better driver than the Lord. Let me have a steering wheel in my life now. Now, after we have a couple of wrecks and stuff, now we are here crying out to the Lord, Lord, please save me. Now, you wanted to drive the car of your life, right? And now you didn't had a bunch of uh, accidents. Now you said, Lord, bail me out now. The text then says, so after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took his Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, the damage has been done. You know, uh, that scripture in Proverbs 20 and 1 that says, Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whosoever is led astray by them is not wise. Well, sin is a mocker also. Oh, it is. It will mock you. After the devil gets you to do something, after your fleshly gets you to do something, it says, I can't believe you're stupid enough to do that. Because the text then says, when she knew she was pregnant. In other words, when Sarah knew that Hagar was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Mm. <clears throat> then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Hmm. Interesting. Sarah took the steering wheel of her life and now she's upset with Abraham. Notice what verses 1 and 2 of chapter 17 says. And remember that when God showed up, he reminded Abraham who he was. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Stop right there. Who is, who is he? He alone is God Almighty. He alone is El Shaddai. He alone knows the road you need to travel. He alone has chosen us to be the sons and daughters of the promise. He then tells Abraham to walk before him faithfully and to be blameless. Then I will make up my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. In other words, your job is to place all your trust in me. You got one job to do. Place your trust in me. He says, walk before me faithfully. But if we go back to our text in Galatians chapter 4, Paul uses the example of Ishmael and Isaac. 
One is a son born by a slave woman, and she was the result of what Sarah and Abraham came up with in their flesh. And the other was by divine appointment. It was based on the promises of El Shaddai. Verses 22 and 23 of Galatians says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of divine promise. As a result of divine promise. See, stop ignoring the promises. The promises of God. (laughs) They're always yea, I believe is what the scripture says. Isaac was the child of promise. Isaac was God's plan. Ishmael was the fleshly plan of Sarah and Abraham. Now, initially, Sarah and Abraham may have believed that the Lord would give them a child. But time sometimes can be our worst enemy. Let me, let me repeat that. Time sometimes can be our worst enemy. Because sometimes when the Lord waits, we take that as if he's not going to do it. He has a time card he's working on. None of your business. What he's doing. Abraham, get your stuff. It's time to go. You didn't see Abraham saying, where are we going, Lord? Shut up and just be obedient. Time means nothing to an eternal God. Time means something to us. Uh, time is nothing to an eternal God. See, Abraham said, I'm getting old. Sarah said, I'm getting old. What does that mean to El Shaddai? What does that mean to the eternal God? When God visited Abraham with two more angels in chapter 18 in the book of Genesis, When God said to Abraham in verse 10 of chapter 18, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. The scripture says Sarah was eavesdropping in chapter 18 and she said to herself, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? I I sound like I hear some doubt in Sarah's voice again. In other words, Sarah is doubting the promises of God in her heart. She didn't say it out loud. She's just doubting the promise of God in her heart. And just like uh, over in the New Testament, when the Lord Jesus would read people's mind, when he came there, he would just read your mind. Somebody would be thinking something, and it, it's as if uh, they're just thinking out loud, and the Lord just reads their mind. God reads the mind of Sarah and says, Why did Sarah laugh and say, I will... Uh, really have a child now that I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's the text. Is anything too hard for El Shaddai? That's the question. Is anything too hard for God Almighty? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. God asked the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? (laughs) Remember what he said in chapter 17 of Genesis when God showed up when Abraham was 99. He said, I am God Almighty. He is El Shaddai. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the overpowered. So there is nothing too hard for him. We must learn to stand on the promises of God. Not on our promises, not on some fleshly thing we made up in our mind, but on the promises of God. And if he said he would never leave you or forsake you, then it means exactly what he said. That's that's what he said. Are you calling God a liar again? 
See, whenever I, I quote a scripture to somebody and they start talking about, but, 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 are you calling God a liar? That's all I want to know. Because if you are, I'm going to get from around you. If you're calling my God a liar, I think I'm a, we're done with the conversation now. Because if he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, he's got to do it. <laughs> it ain't no matter if he's going to do it, he's got to do it. <laughs> because he's discredited from being God if he does not keep his promise. If God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, I'm cashing the check. They said, well, you sure the funds in there? No, I'm cashing the check. Because he said it, that settles it with me. I'm cashing the check. Remember that Genesis chapter 17, the Lord tells Abraham, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. In other words, I require obedience. God is telling Abraham, I'm the one who will be fulfilling the covenant. Your job is to trust in me and to be obedient. You should look at the choices that you and Sarah have made and understand that the covenant is up to me, not you all. Now I say to you, child of God, wait on the Lord and be obedient to his word. That's If you don't remember nothing else I say today, I say to you, trust in the Lord, be obedient to his word, and I guarantee you he will fulfill his promises. Remember that we are the children of promise. And if God has made the promise, then it will come to pass. No, I'm adamant about that. I'm adamant about the promises of God. If he says that he will never leave me. See, that's my favorite scripture in the Bible. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is he will never leave you or forsake you. Because I need that. <laughs> I'm going to put that in my bank right there. Yeah, that's, I'm going to deposit. I got some other things I want to deposit, but that's number one in my deposit box right there. He will never leave you or forsake you. So no matter what situation you're in, quote that. He will never leave you or forsake you. That's why he kept saying it to Moses. When he kept saying it to Joshua over in the Old Testament. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You write that on. Put that on your refrigerator. You can mean that you want to mean something. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promises of God are always yay. That's a mic drop. In our text, Galatians, it says, The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai. And bears the children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia. And corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. Because she is in slavery with her children. But Jerusalem, but the Jerusalem that is above is free. And she is our mother. Those who walk not according to the spirit are the children of Hagar. They are the children of the slave woman. They walk according to the flesh because they are still in slavery. They are more caught up on the earthly Jerusalem. But we are the children of the promised son. Our mother is Sarah and she represents the heavenly Jerusalem. We are the free children. We are the children based on the promises of God. If we look at uh, chapter 17 of Genesis we will see what Abraham does after God's make a covenant promise to him. After El Shaddai, God Almighty says that he would greatly increase Abraham's numbers. It says Abraham fell face down and God said to him, the goodness of El Shaddai overwhelmed Abraham 
in such a way he fell down face down in a posture of worship. You will also notice in the text, Abraham does not speak in the presence of God Almighty here. Read it yourself. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Abraham's not talking. God shows up, shut your mouth. When the presence of God shows up, don't you try to dictate the presence of God. God shows up. Abraham is quiet. He says, let me get in my position of worship. Let me bow down to the ground and worship him. He's not talking now. In other words, he places his hand over his mouth and gets in a worship and adoration position. It also can be said that Abraham's posture is a sign of submission to God's will. Abraham is acknowledging he now believes in the great promises of God. Then Genesis chapter 17 says, as for me, this is my covenant with you. This is God almighty speaking. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Notice that God makes the covenant and he changes Abram's name to Abraham. Abram means exalted father, but Abraham means father of many. I don't know if God was telling Abraham, I'm the only exalted father. (laughs) And so I'm changing your name or now El Shaddai will fulfill the covenant of, of making an everlasting covenant with you. It's all based on me, Abraham. And the everlasting covenant is based on me fulfilling it. Abraham had many descendants from an earthly point of view. God says in Genesis chapter 17 and verses 20, And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and will make him into a great nation. Now, Ishmael is going to have a great following. And as we have uh, seen before and mentioned before, Ishmael are, uh, are the, is, the, is the founder of the Muslim faith, whether they want to believe it or not. <laughs> Even though as many of them, there's many children, but they still are the descendants of the slave woman, Hagar. Now, if they become believers, they can be, as we are, grafted in uh, 
and I, and their mother can also be Sarah, uh, and they can be sons and daughters of the promise. But God blessed Abraham, uh, and God blessed Ishmael. As far as we look from an earthly standpoint, his numbers increase. Some of some of his descendants was wealthy. That has nothing to do with heaven, though. Let's not mix that up. But remember that Ishmael is still no son of the promise. This is an earthly promise that God makes for Ishmael. Paul makes that clear in our text in Galatians. Hagar stands for Mount Sinai. It is in reference to an earthly Jerusalem. But remember that Abraham had six more sons even after Sarah died. Over in Genesis chapter 25, it says, Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimram, Jashah, Medan, Median, Ishbak, and Shahu. I'm sure I'm butchering those names. And it, it talks about Abraham taking another wife and had other sons. So when we read Genesis chapter 25, you will see Abraham had many earthly children. But he had only one promised son by Sarah. Oh, I hope you don't miss that. You look at the descendants of Abraham from an earthly standpoint. He had many descendants from an earthly standpoint. But none of those from an earthly standpoint was the promises. Was the, 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 none of those came from the uh, Sarah and the promised son. The other children who were born were not considered the children of promise. Now, I don't know why God promoted, uh, permitted Abraham to have all these kids who were not the children of promise, but it does not mean God endorsed it. God can take out uh, or take a situation that we have done from a carnal point of view and turn it into something to grow and teach us. In other words, El Shaddai shows grace even uh, when we have done things our way sometimes he still shows grace and mercy. What does our text say is in Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 28. Now you brothers and sisters like Isaac are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. But it is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman. And her son, for the slave woman's son, will never share any inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. The fleshly mindset will enslave you. We must remember what Galatians chapter 5 and verses 1 says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again. By a yoke of slavery. The children of promise cannot be burdened with an earthly mindset. The children of promise must walk according to the spirit. Paul goes on to argue in chapter 5 of Galatians. That if you are attempting to be justified by circumcision. You are not acting like the children of promise. There is nothing wrong with being circumcised. But remember, it does not mean you are saved because you are circumcised. I do believe God has a special place in his heart for the Jewish people. But it is based on his covenant, not on them upholding the law, which they can never do. But God will uh, uh, graft in uh, the Jews the same way he grafted 
graft the Jews back in the same way he's grafted in uh, the Gentiles. It's the same way to be saved. They must believe in the Lord Jesus in order to go to heaven. You can't be born a Jew and go to heaven. Even if you're born a Jew, even if you came from the uh, the line of, of Abraham, as Paul makes it clear, because Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrew, born to the tribe of uh, Benjamin. And Paul still says he had to be saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is no Jew that's more Jew than uh, the Apostle Paul, I guarantee you. If you are using circumcision to think it will help you go to heaven, then you have missed what it means to be children of promise. Children of the promise walk by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> Paul writes, starting at verse 2, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. When you attempt to get to heaven based on works, you are acting like the descendants of Ishmael. We don't work to become saved. We work and are obedient because we are saved. There is a difference, you know. You can't work to get a gift. You can do work after you have received a great gift, but showing gratitude because you got a gift does not mean that you're working to pay for the gift. It, 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 see, a gift, the meaning of, uh, of the word gift is a thing given willingly to someone without payment. That's the definition of a gift. A gift, by definition, is a thing given willingly to someone without payment. How are you going to pay? Well, you can change the name. I mean, if you're somebody, uh, I'm going to work to earn it, then, okay, you're working for a paycheck. That's, don't say it's a gift then, because the Bible says that salvation is a gift. So if you're saying you're working for it, you're either calling the Bible a lie, or you've changed the definition of something, because that's not a gift. A gift is not anything you can earn, it's given to you. It means, uh, whether you deserve it or not, I gave it to you, because out of the kindness of my heart. God gave us the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ dying for us, which if he, even if he charged a price for it, nobody could afford it. No one can work enough for the gift of salvation. You can't afford the price of salvation because it was paid with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The covenant that God Almighty was making with Abraham was an everlasting covenant. Abraham is a quick learner because even though he had waited for the son of promise, he did not cling to his son of promise when God told him to sacrifice him. Woo! See, that's one thing we can say about Abraham. He's called the father of faith. He made a mistake. He made more than one mistake. But Abraham was a, a fast learner, and Abraham still was living by faith because when God told him, that boy you've been waiting for a hundred years to receive now, I got a requirement for you. <laughs> 
I want to see if you love the gift more than the gift giver. That, that's the question. Technically, when God told uh, Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac, the question that God, El Shaddai, God Almighty, was asking Abraham is, do you love the gift I've given you more than you love the gift giver? <laughs> and that's the question that we should ask ourselves today. Do you love anything God has given you more than you love God? See, there's a lot of people love their stuff a whole lot more than they love God. See, what you should be willing to say, what Abraham was saying in sacrificing Isaac is saying, as long as I got you, I, you can have all my stuff. That's what he was saying in so many words. That's what Job was saying uh, when he praised God after he lost his stuff. See, the question is to the, the child of God, do you love God, the gift giver, more than you like the gifts? God requires obedience. And just because you have waited a long time to receive a gift he promised, that does not mean you are to cling to the gift. The children of promise walk by faith, not by sight. Abraham learned to worship God with an open hand. Mm. Abraham learned to worship God with an open hand. He was saying, anything I have, Lord, just take it out of my hand because you gave it to me. <laughs> naked I came into this world and naked I leave if you want the gift you gave to me Lord here's my hand wide open because I know if you take it away from me then you must have wanted to teach me a lesson well that Abraham is something else ain't he the just walk by faith and not by sight Abraham received the son of promise based on his faith in El Shaddai Isaac was not born based on Abraham's power Isaac was not born based on Abraham being a Hebrew. Isaac was not even born based on Abraham's obedience. Isaac was born based on the promises of El Shaddai. The promises of God Almighty. We are the children of promise if we have placed our faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the children of hope. As Romans chapter 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy. And peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We serve the God of hope. And because we serve the God of hope, we are filled with joy. When you read what Peter wrote under divine inspiration over in 1 Peter chapter 1, it makes you want to just shout for joy. Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief <clears throat> in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. 
the children of promise have received great mercy because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The children of promise also have an inheritance that can never perish, can never spoil, and never fade away. We have an eternal inheritance, and it is being safeguarded by El Shaddai. We are the children of promise because of our faith in God. But we also must realize that faith and patience are twins that cannot be separated. Mm. I think I said something right there. I said that faith and patience are twins that cannot be separated. Last week we talked about David waiting patiently for the Lord. Those who are of the promise must understand that true faith cannot be separated from patience. Ah, uh, I said true faith cannot be separated from patience. Uh, they're, they're Siamese twins. They can't be separated. I don't care what kind of operation you try. You cannot separate true faith and patience. Can't happen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And assurance about what we do not see. That's the NIV. The, the King James Version says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith in an all-knowing, all-powerful God will lead you to hope or trust in the evidence what He has already done. But that hope or the faith will always lead to patience. It always leads to patience. Because... When we talked about David waiting patiently for the Lord, see, David had faith that he was going to do exactly what he said he was going to do because David says, I'm a child of the promise. <laughs> so I'm waiting patiently because God always does what he says he could do. So it don't need me getting worked up and anxious about anything because I'm a child of promise. See, that's what you need to repeat to yourself. Like, why am I getting worked up over this? I'm a child of promise. And God Almighty, El Shaddai, has made a promise to me. And guess what? He's going to keep his promise. So I'm waiting patiently now. <laughs> I'm going to take the posture of waiting patiently, knowing that God is a covenant keeping God. Saying you have faith in God is as sure as saying water will be wet. Mm. Can anybody question will water be wet? 100% of the time, water will be wet, right? 100% of the time, a covenant keeping God will guess what? Keep his promises. <laughs> water is always wet. And God always keeps his promise. Always. God always keeps his promise. With no exception. He's a promise keeping God. I don't believe that there's just one formula that you can say God will do this this way every time. Because I don't believe in these formulas or like hocus pocus do this three times, walk around in circles or whatever. I don't believe in those kind of formulas. But there is a formula that Peter gives over in 2 Peter chapter 1 that might be helpful to you as children of promise. Peter says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance goodness. And to goodness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 
They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I believe that Peter is saying it would be a good idea for the children of promise to follow this recipe. <laughs> if you go back over to Genesis chapter 22 again, after Abraham was obedient to the Lord, after he showed God that he loved the gift giver more than the gift, after the Lord had provided... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Provided a ram in the thicket. And remember, it was a ram and not a lamb. We talked about that, I don't know, four or five Sundays ago. Uh, it was a, a, a ram and not a lamb because the lamb did not show up on this mountain until later where we see him in the New Testament. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God that should take away the sins of the world. But if we look at the, the New Testament, John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 56, the Master says, Your father Abraham, this is Jesus talking, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. In other words, Abraham was standing on the promises of God. The scripture in Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 15, says the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, listen what the angel of the Lord says. I need you to pay attention to this. I swear by myself, declares the Lord. Wait a minute. The angel of the Lord says to Abraham, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, he got Ishmael, your only son, he says, I will surely, because this is the son of promise, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars uh, in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your seed, S-E-E-D, or offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> which is what uh, Abraham called God on Mount Moriah after God had gave him the ram in the thicket. Yeah, Abraham said uh, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means God our provider or the Lord will provide. The children of promise know that God will always provide. Also, I must make a note to tell you that Mount Moriah is also the same location that Solomon built the first temple. See, Pay attention here. See, God told uh, Abraham to take Isaac to Mount Moriah. Just so happened when God gave instructions through David to Solomon in order to build uh, the temple, it was built also on Mount Moriah. He talked about that in 2 Chronicles 3 and 1. But there's still more because this is all also, uh, we see the perfect will of God. Mount Moriah and the first temp temple is, 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 is just one thing that happened on, on Mount Moriah. So we got Mount Moriah, I, Isaac being a sacrifice, God providing a ram in the thicket. We have Solomon building the first temple on Mount Moriah. 
But if you look over in John chapter 19, verse 17, it says, carrying his own cross, speaking of our Lord Jesus, he went out to the place of the skull, which is in Aramaic called Golgotha. Golgotha in the Old Testament is Mount Moriah. You're talking about a perfect will. That makes me want to just shout right there. So God tells Abraham, take your son, the son of promise, your only son, take him over to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there. I want to see if you love the gift giver more than you love the gift. Abraham passed the test. And then it just so happened that there was a, the angel of the Lord was speaking uh, to Abraham and said, there's a ram in the bush. Just so happened that King Solomon built the temple on Mount Moriah. You think that's a coincidence in the perfect will of our God? And we have told you in the past, if you look at the angel of the Lord, he speaks with the same authority as El Shaddai. Don't miss that in the text. Uh, and so I present to you the angel of the Lord in Genesis 22 is the same angel of the Lord in Exodus chapter 3 with Moses at the burning bush. It's also the same angel of the Lord who spoke to Gideon in chapter 6 of Judges. I present to you the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ as the angel of the Lord. That's what he's speaking of. So I guess Abraham was looking forward to the lamb that would take away the sins of the world. But in a, in a roundabout way, he was speaking to the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus on Mount Moriah anyway. It all goes back to the promises of God. If he made the promise, you can take it to the bank. If God makes a promise, he will keep his promises always. If his promises is, if, if, if his promise is based on your obedience, you should focus on on fulfilling your duties. Don't worry about God. See, our problem is we want to worry about what God does. It ain't none of your business. He told you to be obedient. Won't you follow those rules? How about you do your duties? You do you. <laughs> your job is to be obedient to him. Be obedient to him and let him take care of fulfilling his promises. Here we are over here worrying about the promises of God as if God's character is in question. He should be saying, I know you're not going to be obedient because your character is in, qu in question. You you have uh, staggered around at faith before. So if anybody needs to be doubting anybody, God Almighty needs to be doubting us, not the other way around. Because God always fulfills his promises. And if you are the children of promise, just as Isaac was the child of promise, we have the blessing assurance that he will always be with us. Think about what God did and uh, did for Abraham and through Abraham. Abraham's job was to place his trust in a covenant-keeping God because it was God who told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah. This was not Abraham's plan. Abraham's job was to be obedient to God's word, which he did. And he was rewarded for placing all of his faith in Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> the God who provides. And to, uh, he was rewarded for placing his faith in in the one, who, the God who provides by understanding that God is a covenant keeping God and God always answers those saints who are obedient to him. Think about this. All the times that Abraham could have doubted, you, you, you would think that would have been a chance to doubt right here. Lord, I waited 100 years to get this Isaac. Uh, uh, Abraham said, you know, I didn't learn 
I, I didn't learn that to do it my way. If God wants me to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah, there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason he wants me to uh, uh, sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah. See, uh, the funny thing about him sacrificing Isaac on Mount Moriah, see, he, there was a ram in the thicket to stop him from his son being sacrificed, which it wouldn't have did any good because uh, sacrificing Isaac would have never fulfilled the law of God anyway. <laughs> it was the obedience of Abraham that God was drawing out because God don't believe in human sacrifice. <laughs> Uh, there's one that he believed in once and for all. Our high priest made one sacrifice, which was his body. And he sat down at the right hand of the father after he had made the sacrifice. See, Isaac was a picture, uh, so to speak, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because just as Isaac was the son of the promise, the New Testament says when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. <laughs> born of a virgin. And so the promises that God had made that he would keep his promises and that uh, Isaac uh, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ would be the son of promise also makes us the children of promise because of what the Lord Jesus did in his obedience. See, Abraham was obedient by sacrificing Isaac at Mount Moriah. And the Lord Jesus volunteered and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so he took Isaac's place on Mount Moriah, the New Testament, Golgotha, and he was sacrificed for our sins. And because he was sacrificed for our sins, now we can actually be children of the promise. We are children of the promise because of a covenant keeping God and because of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was obedient unto death. There is no other name under heaven or earth that we may be saved but by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are the children of promise because he's a covenant keeping God. And if you want to be children of promise, there ain't but one way to be children of promise. That's by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the only way into heaven. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for watching over us and protecting us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are a covenant-keeping God. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us as your children. Lord, we pray and ask you to forgive us of our shortcomings, of our doubt in you. Forgive us of our shortcomings and increase our faith that we will realize and always never to doubt you, understanding that you are El Shaddai, God Almighty, who keeps all your promises. Lord, we thank you for keeping your promises. We thank you, Lord, for your, Lord, your, your darling son, Jesus, who hung, bled, and died on Calvary for our sins. And these and other blessings we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, children of God, for joining us today. And, and, and recognize we are children of promise. Uh, if that's not a good, see, everybody always bragging about who they know. You ever notice that? And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with not knowing anybody. I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with you saying, I got such and such autograph. There's nothing wrong with that. But the thing you should be more excited about than anything is that I have been chosen by a covenant keeping God. 
And I'm on my way to heaven because uh, uh, I'm, uh, I am a child uh, and I am a, a, a child of the promise. The reason I'm on my way to heaven is because I'm a child of a promise. See, I hear people all the time, they like the name drop. I did such and such. I know such and such. I'm glad for you. I'm happy for you. But it ain't going to do you no good <laughs> in eternity who you know unless you know Jesus. <laughs> don't make no difference who you know. If you don't know Jesus, uh, uh, when, when, when time is winding up and when you have to st uh, stick your swords, as the old folks would say, in the sandy banks of time, it ain't going to do you no good on who you know if you don't know Jesus. You better get to know him. The covenant keeping God and the God that always answers prayers. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, boy, if you want to get me excited, I can be cast down. I can be like those uh, those fellows who was on their road on the road to Emmaus after Jesus had died. And he had rose and they was cast down. You know how they was walking. They had they ain't have no pep in their walk. Jesus shows up. All of a sudden he starts breaking down the scriptures. He broke bread and they realized it was Jesus. These boys, these fellas got fired up. They said, we can't go to sleep now. <laughs> because this thing is like fire shut up in our bones. Now we got to go back to Jerusalem and tell somebody about Jesus. Let me tell you something. There is no way you can have Jesus in you. And somebody asks you about Jesus and you don't get a fire just burst out like, what, you want to talk about what? You want to talk about Jesus? Uh, yeah, I can get fired up on that one. I, I could be cast down, but if you start talking about my Jesus, <laughs> it'd be like fire shut up in my bones. I'm telling you, I get real excited over that. Oh yeah, I was feeling a little cast down until I had one of those Emmaus rolls and I met Jesus. <laughs> and all of a sudden I got fired up. That's my hope. My hope is in him. No other hope, but my hope is in him. My hope is in the only begotten of the Father. That's the good news. God bless you and thank you all for joining us. Uh, everyone who joined us. I see my brother uh, Anthony Johnson showed up. God bless you, Anthony. And uh, Christy Meadows uh, actually showed up. Uh, and Hamp showed up after we got started So God bless you Good to see all my brothers and sisters We already gave a shout out to the other ones who came in uh, I think I don't know if Howard was there then Yeah Howard I think I may have uh, said before Howard came into I can't remember But God bless all of you My brother JLC Brittany God bless all of you And uh, God keep your hope That we said something that might bless you And give you a little few To go on for the week Sometimes you need to just Stop by the filler station. <laughs> but we used to call it filler station, not a gas station. Stop by the filler station and get uh, get fueled up before you uh, uh, start making your your travel throughout the week. Because sometimes you gotta you gotta get you gotta stop into the pit stop and and, and, and and allow God to fuel you up with His Holy Spirit to give you power to run this race and to give you power to go on even more. That's what, that's what our hope is. If something was said and God lays on your heart and you want to make a contribution, JLC has put our links in the chat room. And if you're not in the chat room, you can uh, go to the website, commonsensenation.net, commonsensenation.net, and we have a donate button there. As I told you before that uh, we'll start um, uh, getting, we're going to start getting our we're going to do a separate site from the gospel messages. 
we're not ready to do it right now, but we're going we're gonna to be working on it because we got a lot of things that we've been working on. We've been trying to finish some things and start on other things. So we're going to try to get uh, that set up. And I'm not going to give you a time frame because I don't want to be wrong about it. Uh, we're going to put, put it like that. We'll put it in God's hand and we'll work on God's clock. And we'll get that set up. And on that particular uh, site, that'll be separate from the Common Sense Nation. I don't even know what we're going to call it yet, but it's going to be uh, separate from the political site. And that way we'll have the messages there. And we'll just try to do a scripture of the day on that particular site. So you're going to. We also, we're on iHeartRadio. I don't know if you knew it or not. You see it right on that speaker button. You see a little iHeart thing. We actually broadcast on iHeartRadio also. So uh, I don't know if some if some of you ever look if you ever on iHeart and you're looking for us, uh, we broadcast on iHeart simultaneously, uh, Spreaker and iHeart. And so if you want to if you missed any of the messages, if you go over to, you click on that site or you click on one of the links that JLC have put over there, it'll take you over to. It is we even have a a a, 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 a picture on the website. Uh, that uh, if you click on it, it'll take you over, I don't know, almost three years of messages you can download for free of charge and listen to all of them. Anyone that you've missed over the years, you can download them free of charge and listen to them. If you're writing or some, if you want to get some inspiration. So God bless you and uh, God bless everyone in the Common Sense Nation. So th- God bless you all for your support. And uh, I'll be praying for you and you all pray for, for me. It's your duty, as a matter of fact, that you should pray for the saints. Because the, 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 the fervent prayer of the righteous availed much. So we should all um, uh, make sure that we pray for one another. Because we plan, I don't know about you, but I plan on spending eternity in heaven with the rest of the saints. So might as well start praying for one another now. So when we get to heaven, you can be, we can have a, a joyous time. I think that song used to be, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. See, that's what we're going to be. We're going to shout the victory when we get to heaven. So I don't know about you, but I plan on going. I don't know if you plan on going or not, but I plan on being there. Got my ticket, too. God bless you and God keep you and I hope you enjoy the rest of your uh, day. Uh, We'll make sure uh, that we uh, pray for you. God bless you. Shit,